Welcome to the Family Worship Center podcast. Each week we bring you our message from our Sunday morning services at Family Worship Center in Beaumont. Whenever we pray, God, give me faith, does he give us another portion of faith? Or does he put us in a spot where we can be faithful? Whenever we say, God, give me patience to deal with these people, does he give us more patience? Or is it exercising that faith? or the patience that we already have. We hope you find this message encouraging. The title of my message is Three Days Away. What is it that you are three days away from? And we're looking at Genesis chapter 22, and this is what it says. Genesis 22, beginning at verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Now, this is after he'd made him all the promises, after he'd given him the son. So Abraham is well over 100 years old. And um, Isaac is, by all rights and purposes, from, from what we can determine in this, he was not just a little bitty child. He was probably a young teenager at this point, and Abraham well over 100 years old. And so God tested him. And he called out to him, said, Abraham, Abraham replied, yes, here I am. And then he says this, he says, take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah, and go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of those mountains, one of the mountains, which I'll show you. Now, this is one of those times whenever you, excuse me, God, I think I must have misunderstood what you said. This is the child of the promise. This is the one that we've been waiting for. This was 25 years in coming. What are you saying? Now, you've got to put yourself, you know, here's the thing. I think so many times we read the scriptures and we just pass over stuff because it's that way. As we've, we've read it and read it and read it and sometimes we don't stop to put ourselves in that spot. And so if you were in Abraham's spot, and here you had waited all these years, and in your uh, senior years, you had a child that was the child of the promise, and you knew that God had promised this a long time ago, and this is where all of the, 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 the descendants, as numerous as the sands on the shore and the stars in the sky, that, that's, that's what this promise is. Through him, all the descendants... All the people of the earth are going to be blessed. So surely we misunderstood. Surely we didn't hear what we thought we heard. So he goes on. So you know it was a sleepless night, but the next morning, Abraham got up early and he saddled his donkey and he took two of his servants with him along with Isaac. And then he chopped wood for a fire, for a burnt offering. And then he set out for the place that God had told him about. Now, don't you know that was the slowest walk, the slowest donkey ride? I mean, it, it doesn't say how long it's supposed to take, but it took them three days to get there. So don't you know it was like, get up. Let's saddle the donkey. Let's chop some wood. Let's get on the donkey. Saddle up that donkey. Okay, go ahead and go. Slow, easy, easy. 
<laughs> Don't you know that was the slow walk of the century? Probably the millennium of, of him going to, to, to sacrifice his son. And finally, on the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. This is Mount Moriah. That God had called him to go and sacrifice his son by, by everything that we can figure out. This is where Jerusalem was going to be. It was the birthplace whenever God created Adam. This is where it happened, most likely. It was also, in the future, the place where Jesus was going to be sacrificed. This is the place. A special place to God. I'll, one day when we all get to heaven, I probably won't be the first, but I'm going to ask him, what is it with that little spot of land? But there's something special in God's heart about that land. And so he sends him to this far off place from where he was. This is Golgotha, okay? And he tells his servants, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will travel a little further and we will worship there. And then a faith statement will come right back. Okay? So you've got to realize all this time, all these three days, Abraham has had, I'll guarantee you he's been praying up a storm. Guarantee you he's been saying, God, would you please clarify what you have asked me to do? Would you please change your mind? It had to have crossed his mind to turn and go the opposite direction for Moriah. See, sometimes I think we get this idea that there are super believers. And I think sometimes we really longingly want to be a super Christian. We want to just wake up one day and bada-boom, bada-bing, I don't feel like I used to. I don't have the doubts that I used to. I am full of faith. I am super Christian. And never have another doubt in their mind. We want to be like Abraham. We want to be like Joseph. We want to be like Jacob and Isaac and all those people. If you go to, Acts, I mean, to Hebrews chapter 11, that hall of faith. We read down through there, and it's like we're walking through a museum, and we see these statues of these people who by faith pleased God, by faith did awesome things, and we want to be like them instead of like we are. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes I have doubts. Sometimes I hear from God, and I'm saying, did I really hear from God? Sometimes I'll go to bed thinking, yeah, that's a great idea. And I'll wake up in the morning and say, whoa, that's a terrible idea. And so what we want to do is we want to wake up some morning and have on blue tights with a big C on our chest for a super Christian. And here's the thing. We want to be like them. And, and I'm going to go ahead and, and be, give you a spoiler alert right here. You are just like them. Because they had doubts and they had fears and they had concerns. The only thing that they did was have faith. That's the only thing. For Abraham, it was that he had faith in God to believe that he would do what he said he would do. That's all God's looking for today. That's all God was looking for back then and that's all he's looked for in between. Somebody that would believe him to do what he said he would do. Take him at his word. But we get this idea that there's people that don't ever have doubts, that don't ever have fears, that don't ever have concerns. And we want to be like them. 
Guess what? It ain't happened that way. You read all the way through this Bible. Everybody that God ever had an encounter with had those same thoughts that we have, have the same experiences that we... And don't you know that God's silence in this three days that he went along to get to Mount Moriah, don't you know he was praying up a storm and God didn't say anything? God, where are you whenever I'm under this stress? Where are you whenever I'm having doubts about everything I ever thought? Silence. Have you ever had one of those moments? When you really, 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 really wanted to hear from God and you weren't hearing anything. As I've said so many times, and I have to remind myself about this one too. Whenever God's silent, you go back to the last thing he said. Whenever you're wondering what to do, instead of sitting down and wanting to give up, you go back to the last thing God told you to do, and you do it. And so for these three days, don't you know that every little bit he's praying, and he's saying, maybe I ought to just turn around and go back home. Maybe I didn't hear God. Maybe he didn't say that. Maybe I ought to just turn and head in the other direction. Silence. So he's obedient. He goes back and he does the last thing that he heard God say. So he has this faith-filled statement. We're going to go and worship there, and then we will come right back. I'll be right back with the boy. Okay, so Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders. That is so mean. I mean, you're fixing to go kill this boy and burn him for a burnt offering, and you're making him pack the wood. Come on, give me a break. So anyway, while he himself carried the fire and the knife, and as the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham, his dad. And he said, Daddy, Abraham said, yes. We have the fire, and we have the wood, but where is the sacrifice? I believe there was some more silence right there. (laughs) Realize that Abraham is well over 100 years old. Isaac is not a baby. He is most likely putting putting all the pieces of the puzzle together and won't waste your time and and bore you with how we kind of surmise. He was at least a young teenager, if not almost a grown man. So when you realize that he's a pretty sharp guy because he's already figured out, listen, okay, we got a knife and we've got fire and uh, we got wood and we got you. Hmm... Don't take Perry Mason to figure this one out. So, he says, Abraham says to him, God will provide for the offering. And Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. So this was another little time of silence, and don't you know Abraham's praying again, praying up a storm. He's doing the slow walk of the millennium, and he's going, doing what God told him to do when they arrived at the place. Where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood, and then he tied his son. So you've got to realize that there's a little bit of faith involved with Isaac here too, because if he's a young teenager and Abraham is well over 100 years old, 
Uh, anybody ever grab a hold of a, a teenager? Especially one that had been out tending sheep and doing all kinds of stuff. They're kind of hard to hold on to. I mean, they can wiggle and, and worm their way out of stuff. And so, you know, you just got to look at this. There was a faith element involved where Isaac is concerned. And he laid him on top of the altar, on, on the wood. And then Abraham picked up his knife. Again, you just got to put yourself in that spot. It's like I'm giving you every opportunity, God, to, to say something, do something. So he gets the knife, he raises it up, and at that moment, if you didn't know this story, that was a big cliffhanger there. <laughs> but most everybody knows this story. So he gets the knife up, he's ready to do it. He's ready to carry this out for two reasons. One is he was obedient to God. The second was that he knew if God was, was true to his word that he could raise his son up from the dead even if he did kill him. Believing that he was able to do everything he said he could do. So he gets the knife up. And I'm sure there was a big pause at the top when he's getting ready to kill him. And the angel cries out, Abraham, Abraham! Here I am. Thank you for saying something finally. And he says, don't lay a hand on the boy. Don't hurt him in any way for it. Now I know that you truly fear God. And that you have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. You're realizing the irony that a, a few thousand years later, God would sacrifice his own son in that same place and would not withhold his son for our sakes. That's, that's a pretty awesome thing. Then Abraham looked up and he saw a ram caught by his horns in a thicket, and he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham named the place Yahweh Yireh, which we tend to pronounce as Je uh, Jehovah Jireh, but that's actually the original language, which means the Lord will provide. And to this day, the people still use that name as a proverb, on this mountain of the Lord it will be provided. And then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. And he says, this is what the Lord says, because you have obeyed me and have not withheld your son, even your only son, I swear by my name that I will certainly bless you. Multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars of the sky and the sands of the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed and all because you have obeyed me. Then they returned to the servants and traveled back to Beersheba, where Abraham continued to live. So that's where we're at today. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and ministry of his word. What do you do when you're three days away and you don't know what to do? What do you do whenever God's silent, you heard what he said, but now it's not making as much sense as it would did, as it once did? Number one, you've got to remember that God's perspective is always different than ours. He tells us in Isaiah, he says that, uh, his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways, declares the Lord. He always sees things from a different perspective. He's always looking at it from the top down. We're always looking at it from the bottom up. And as I've shared many, many times, there have been times in my life when the Lord has reminded me to do some top-down living. And top-down living, you know, sounds really 
cool. Sounds like you're in a convertible. Wind blowing through your hair. <laughs> the one. But I'm talking about to try to look at it from his perspective. Top-down living from, from... See, we're always, we're always, always, always at the disadvantage to see things. Why? Because our perspective is always off. We're looking at it from the bottom. He's looking at it from the top. And what we've got to do is take time to try to see God's perspective on it. We always want him to see it from our standpoint. We, and we never take time to look at it from his so, in order to do that, you've got to realize, number two, that our test, our trial, our troubles, our tribulations are an opportunity for God to prove His Word. See, He promises things in His Word that don't make sense unless we look at it from the top down. The things that He tells us, sometimes we, it just doesn't compute, it doesn't make sense. And, and see, sometimes, here's, here's the thing. We pray for faith. Oh, God, would you give me the faith to get through this? God, would you give me courage to face the things that I've got to face? Would you give me strength to get through this time of trouble? Would you give me patience to deal with these people I've got to deal with? But see, from God's perspective, what he says in his word is he's given to every person a portion of faith to believe. Through the fruit of the Spirit, He gives us patience and kindness and joy, meekness. The give, all the gifts of the Spirit and all the fruit of the Spirit. So my thesis this morning is, whenever we pray, God, give me faith, does He give us another portion of faith? Or does He put us in a spot where we can be faithful? Whenever we say, God, give me patience to deal with these people. Does he give us more patience? Or is it exercising that faith or the patience that we already have? See, it tells us in the word that tribulation, trouble, trials exercise patience. What happens when you exercise? Get stronger, get buff like me. My exercise may be the wrong kind, though. But what happens whenever we exercise, if you get a pair of dumbbells and, and, and you start out with a weight that's pretty handy for you to go with, and you just, every day, you're picking them up and you're just working them, working them pretty soon, that's going to seem pretty light. So what you do is you go to the store and you buy another pair of dumbbells that weigh twice as much as those that you were lifting. And, and so you then, then you... you those start feeling light, and, and then you go and, and, and buy a two-pound pair. Some of you were following me on that one. <laughs> and then you get a two-and-a-half-pound pair, and then you get a three-pound pair. And then pretty soon, you're lifting five pounds with each arm. And what happens is that muscle that once was laying there, atrophied, not doing anything, couldn't... You couldn't whip your way out of a wet paper bag. All of a sudden, you're looking kind of buff. Sleeves on your shirt start getting tight. Mm, I am something. What's happened? You have exercised that muscle, and it has gotten bigger. So when trials and troubles come our way, 
it exercises our patience. And our patience gets bigger. It's not by... You realize that when the children of Israel were at their worst, when their faith was tiny, was when they were in the wilderness able to see God morning and night and noon. He was meeting every need that they had. They didn't have to worry about anything. They didn't have any troubles. They didn't have any trials. It was easy street. He fed them every day. Their clothes didn't shrink or get old and tear up. He met every need they had. And their faith was zero. As we know by reading over and over and over again how they let God down with their faith. So the thing that I'm asking you today is, if God is true to his word and he's already given us a portion of faith and tribulation exercises patience, then if we pray for courage, does he give us more courage or does he give us a chance to be courageous? If we pray for strength of spirit, is it that he gives us more strength of spirit or does he put us in a situation to where we see our strength of spirit? I think sometimes God's already answered our prayers. We just don't realize it. We just don't see that he's already done something in us and doing something even as we speak and there's something that he's got planned for us down the road. And sometimes we have to be developed You remember back in the day of film cameras? You'd take all those pictures, and all those pictures were on there, but you couldn't see them. For some of you younger people, you don't have any clues what I'm saying, but isn't it crazy that in our lifetime we have come that far? I mean, they just whip out their phone. It's on Facebook in five seconds. You remember? I mean, you'd wait sometimes to take up that whole roll. You'd buy those short rolls of film to where you could take it in just a little while. And if you bought a 36 or a 48, I mean, it was like, this is a lifetime. I'll never see these pictures. My kids will be grown before I get their first birthday developed. But the thing is, we have to sometimes, we have to be put in the developer. And so what happens is, he... He's already given us faith. He's already given us patience through the Holy Spirit. He's already given us courage. He's already given us strength. He's already given us meekness and joy and goodness and kindness. What we need to be doing is put in the developer where we can see it. Number three. Your trial is an opportunity for God to reveal. He's already he's, he's proven his word. Now it's an opportunity for him to reveal more about himself. Because see, as I've said many times, if you, never, if you don't believe God's a healer, you'll never ask him to heal you. And furthermore, if you never have any problems, you'll never ask him to solve them. Sometimes we've got to realize that, that our problems, our trials, our tribu- troubles and tribulations are, are that developer. We need them sometimes to be able to, you know, it tells us in Psalm 46 that he is our ever-present Time, uh, help in the time of trouble. What does that mean? That he's always with you and trouble's on the way. Jesus said it this way. In this world you'll have tribulation, but be a good cheer. I've overcome the world. Amen? So the, the thing that we've got to realize is trouble, trials, tribulations, problems, that's a part of life. And so what we've got to do is start allowing the Lord to show us more about himself. If you look at, and I've talked about it a bunch lately, I don't know why the Lord keeps bringing it to mind, but in John chapter 11, you got Mary and Martha. They sinned for Jesus. 
Our brother's sick. What does Jesus do? Sit down. Let's talk about it. Let's think about it. Let's talk some more about it. Let's tell the disciples he's asleep. Oh, wonderful. He's sleeping. He'll get better soon. No, no, no. I mean, he's gone. And he waits one more day and then he goes. Do you know how many days it was? Three. Hmm. Three seems to be a real special number to God. And so he shows up. Realized that if, if they hadn't had to, if Abraham hadn't had to make this three-day trip, he'd have never known that God was Jehovah Jireh, the provider. Mary and Martha never would have realized he was the resurrection and the life. It's an opportunity for God to show you something that you've never seen about him before. You're not the only one that's ever gone through this. Realize that all the way through this Bible, almost every facet of human life is covered and God has seen it all. But we haven't. And so sometimes He's wanting to expand our vision of who He is and what He can do and how He does it and how He does it. So, number four. And some of you are saying, wow, we're actually going to get through another sermon. Awesome. We're on point number four. I took small notes, you know, small notes so I could try to get through another one. His silence should get our expector. It says expected, but he keeps correcting it. Chad, you corrected it. I corrected it. (laughs) His silence should get our expector up. In other words, if if God has spoken, told us to do something, whatever it is, Back to the faithful part. If, if We may be praying for faith and God says, I've put you in a situation where you can see how faithful you are. And then it's silent. That was my expector going up. Because God's fixing to do something. Because I'm being faithful. Even though I don't feel it, even though I don't, I didn't wake up this morning with a blue pair of tights on, with that big C on my chest, I'm being faithful. Why? Because God's already said he gave me a portion of faith to believe. So I'm believing. So he is up to something. It may not even be on my radar. There's nothing on my radar. God's totally silent. Raise that expector up a little more. Because I don't know where it's going to come from. I don't know how this is going to happen. But we need to get excited about it. We need to have an anticipation to know that if God said, go here and be there, then you've got to go there and be there. And after that, it's all, let's, let's see what he's doing. Get that expector up. What is he doing? How's he going to fix this? How's he going to work this out? Woo, I can't wait. Because I'm going to be a part of it. Amen? So, the thing that we have to realize is, up until the time that Jesus came here in the flesh, incarnate, people had never seen blind eyes open, but then they did. People had never seen lame legs get up and walk, but then they did. People had never seen things happen like that before. But all of a sudden, blind eyes were open, lame legs were walking, ears that couldn't hear heard. Because I couldn't figure it out. 
I've never seen that happen before. But if we get our expector up, we're going to be able to see it. So here's the thing. Here's Abraham and Isaac. And they had no idea how this was going to work out. It was just Abraham, Isaac, the knife, the fire, and the wood. From both Abraham and Isaac's perspective, this ain't looking good. God says, don't do it. Oh, look, there, that I couldn't see before, was a ram caught in a bush, just right over there, just waiting for me to go and get it and then make a sacrifice. Woo, hallelujah. I, I think it was more than just woo, hallelujah. I believe it was one of those hallelujah hoedown. I think, they, I think they might have danced around that fire a little bit while that ram was burning. I don't know about you, but that's the way I'd be about it. There have been times in my life whenever God has done something out of the blue and I have just absolutely like, woo, I can't believe that happened that way. I don't need to be doing that anymore. <laughs> I'm believing for my back to get better. Um, so, it all comes down to this. Our perspective is important. How we see it, how we perceive it, whether we're looking at it from the bottom up or the top down, is so important. Because what is it that we are three days away from? Are we three days away from something? Or are we three days away from nothing? If we don't have our expector up, guess what? We're going to see the same old, same old. We're going to continue to be what we've always been and do what we've always done. And the definition of, of insanity is when you continue to do the same thing you've always done and expect something different to happen. So what we've got to do is get our expector up and be able to look at it from the, from the top down and say, God, this, don't, this doesn't even compute. But I know you've got something good in store for me.